ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, back with another episode here on The Truth. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going over the best team in the NFL in my Minnesota Vikings, as Lizzo said it. Best truth hurts, man. Truth does hurt. The Minnesota Vikings, my Minnesota Vikings, this is going to be my favorite episode to talk about this season. And hey, if I recall correctly, you also have had some history with the Minnesota Vikings. Do you remember that fateful day at U.S. Bank Stadium? Yeah, I do. I remember also Lizzo messing with some of your players, so I'm glad the Saints don't have any players that mess with her. (laughs) So I think, if anything, it's a win on our side. I'd rather have that than, you know, what happened to you guys? Man, that is just brutal. What happened the next brutal. game, though? What happened that next game? Oh, we got crushed. But you know what? My life. Oh was yeah, yeah. Because we finally won a playoff game. A the Twins haven't won a playoff game since I've been alive. Timberwolves sure as hell aren't going to come anywhere near that. The Wild can't even get past the first round of the playoff series. So that was single-handedly probably the greatest sports moment of my life. So I'll take that with a grain of salt. I think that was the greatest sports moment of my life, and the worst sports moment of my life was when Blair Walsh missed a twenty like six yard field goal against the Seahawks. So as a Vikings oh, the fan chip in? Yeah, as a Vikings uh, fan, yeah. I've gone through a lot. Okay. I, I get you guys have won a Super Bowl. You guys had your precious Drew Brees, but us Vikings fans and us Minnesota fans just go through a lot, man. So you don't even understand how painful it is to be a Minnesota fan. And and, and, and Iowa fan as well. It stretches its boundaries. So you know, I, I, I definitely would have loved to be fostered into a family that was a Saints fan or a winning team's fan. But unfortunately, I got stuck in Minnesota. But, you know, I'm with the Minnesota team, so I died. Hey, fostered in. I mean, I was with them when they were trash. That's true. What I mean by that, though, is just my, my dad, I meant that he ended up picking to be a Vikings fan. That was my thing as far as fostering in. I mean, hey, you know what? You got to be a fan through the thick, and you'll never get through the thin, so... But anyways, if you guys aren't able to tell, we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings today here in 32 Teams in 32 Days, episode number 22. We have done 21 episodes in the past. Can't believe it already. We're getting close to the end. I know you guys are excited. I know I'm excited, too. Although I love talking football, man. Doing this series on a daily basis has definitely taken its toll on me. But anyways, guys, today we have the Minnesota Vikings, and the Minnesota Vikings are going into this season with, I don't think, a lot of question marks. I think there was a lot of question marks last season, but it's the Minnesota Vikings, so who really knows? For those that are new to 32 teams in 32 days, I'll give you a brief run on how this works. We'll go over our three key players, our bust, our breakout player, sleeper player, and team MVP. So it should be fun, should be exciting. It's the Minnesota Vikings. Let's get into it. Who are your three key players for the Minnesota Vikings this season? So first player is the obvious one. I'm going to go Jay Jettas. I mean, three years in the league, three-time Pro Bowler, uh, All-Pro already, uh, won Offensive Player of the Year in 2022. I mean, just every year seems to get better. I mean, first year had 88 receptions, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns. I definitely couldn't get better. Nope, 108 receptions, 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns. Well, he couldn't do better than that. Goes on, gets 128 receptions, 1,800 yards, eight touchdowns, and casually has a rushing touchdown as well. I mean, easy one there in Jay Jettas. Next up, I'm going to go by Kurt Cousins. I'm not going to call him Kirk Thuggins because <laughs> that's just no. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, like the guy, I mean, he's definitely that guy who you get to round five or six in your draft and you don't have a quarterback yet, so you go draft him because he now had because he has Justin Jefferson now Jordan Addison and also TJ Hawkinson or 
Yeah, that's TJ Hawkinson. Uh, and then next up, I'm going to go, I believe he was just a free agent signing this year for you guys, but Byron Murphy. I mean, yep. Byron Murphy, uh, great when he was over there in AZ. Uh, I mean, we saw him get chased down by DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf after that pick. But even then, I mean, last year was his first year where he actually had injury, only played nine games, but still had four pass deflections, uh, two fumble recoveries, uh three tackles for loss. I mean, 36 combined tackles. He's just a solid cornerback. Uh, he, he doesn't really get any, he hasn't gotten any awards, but more of a depleted cornerback uh, room, especially these past few years. I mean, Pat P being gone and some of the other guys like Xavier Rhodes, who you guys have lost uh, earlier uh, a couple of years ago, just more of a depleted cornerback room now and just getting a guy like Byron Murphy. Who I wouldn't say he's a big game changer, but does his job really well. Yeah, the first one's obvious. It's Jay Jettis. This is the guy that's probably going first in a lot of people's drafts. I mean, last season, 128 receptions, receptions 100 or 1,809 yards, eight touchdowns in the year, which was actually kind of interesting to see the production that he had. He only had eight touchdowns receiving-wise, but he is the best player on this Vikings team. It was so nice to draft him. We ended up trading Stephon Diggs for this selection, and we got Justin Jefferson, so we got one better, um, although Diggs is doing just fine. So I think both teams won the trade there. I mean, Jefferson, it's obvious. He's done nothing but perform since being entered in the NFL. He's had at least 1,400 yards in all of the three seasons that he's been in. And not to mention, he didn't really start playing that first season until about week three either. So that was when he really broke out in the scene, that week three matchup there. And if he played really well like he did in the rest of the season, he would have been at the same pace, if not better, than where he was at towards the end of that last season. So he's obviously the best player in the offensive side. He's one of the best players in the entire NFL. I will say, though, I do believe his production is going to be stipend just a little bit. I think he does maybe drop down 400 yards or so, maybe even a little bit more. And that's why I'm avoiding him in my fantasy drafts, just because, yeah, the Vikings have a lot of firepower on the offensive side. They just drafted Jordan Addison also in the first round. Another wide receiver there. They have TJ Hawkinson. KJ Osborne is poised for a big season, a contract season. So there's a lot of weapons on the offensive side. I think his production was still made a little bit. I also do believe that defenses are going to start to cover him more aggressively. I'm not saying they haven't been covering him more aggressively, but it just is a bit concerning. Um, you know, for me, I feel like with wide receivers, especially in fantasy drafts, you kind of have to not necessarily gamble, but you have to try to find, I guess, a, a perfect connection and a perfect season to really kind of break out these guys. So that's my two cents on it, but he is still going to be very effective. Second, I got Kirk Thuggins, and it is Kirk Thuggins the rest of his career after he was putting on those chains left and right. I mean, man, that was just a meme. I definitely encourage a lot of you, if you haven't already, to go watch the quarterback film. I thought it was a great film. Cole or Kirk Cousins, you know, working in that Cole's cash. He's got the Thuggins name to him. He honestly didn't play as well last season as he did. In my opinion, it was his worst season as a Viking. 4,457 yards, which or 47 yards, which is good, but 29 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Definitely was turning the ball over a lot. His QBR was 49.9, which actually ranked 23rd in the NFL. But before that, I actually was a huge Kirk Cousins fan. I still am a huge Kirk Cousins fan. Um, but he obviously just didn't perform as much, and that sometimes happens. But going into the season, he's got to perform a lot. And he'll be, whether you like to admit it or not, somewhat in the top five as far as quarterback play and maybe arguably in the MVP conversation. I know that's a stretch. I get it. But there's just so much firepower on the offensive side that it's really hard for him to fail. He's already proven what he's been able to do throughout his career. The year before last season, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's able to cut down the turnovers a little bit. He's right back in the mix for you know being one of the best quarterbacks in all the NFL. So really excited to see what Kirk, Th Kirk Thuggins excuse me, is going to do here in his next season. 
And then finally, I got to go with the hitman, Harrison Smith. The, uh, I think maybe the longest tenured Viking. 2012 was the 29th overall selection, you know, out of Notre Dame. I love Harrison Smith. I mean, this guy just does not give two shits about the other team. He hits people harder than anybody I've ever seen. He's a great pass defender, obviously, uh, but he's also a great run defender as well. And I think that's something that kind of helps him have success in the NFL at the safety position, particularly at age 34. Yeah, they did lose Eric Kendricks, which hurt as a Vikings fan, a long-tenured Viking there. But he's done a lot for the Minnesota Vikings. He'll come in on a safety blitz, get a sack. He was Mike Zimmer's favorite defensive player. So there's just a lot of things in his favor. Going into the season, I think he continues to streak a little bit. I think he continues to be a successful safety. And he's a guy that's going to be a very integral part for the Vikings defense this season. So there's a lot of expectations surrounding Harrison Smith going into this campaign. I believe it's his 11th or 12th season in the NFL, and he's poised to have another breakout campaign, particularly on the defensive side. And I'm really curious to see how his defense is going to play with Brian Flores as a new DC who sends blitzes faster than wildfire spread there in California. So be curious to see as time moves on what happens with, uh, with him. Okay, your bust. So my bust, I'm going to go with a pick that – Phillies fans, if anyone watching, would really hate. Uh, I didn't move up Jalen Rager. Yes, he was the pick right before Jay Jettas. So now you get, the tw- I think, the 21st and 22nd or 20th and 21st overall pick back in 2022. I just don't like Jalen Rager. I mean, he just hasn't lived up to that pick. I mean, 21st overall pick. Uh, so in three years with uh, – or two years with Philly, didn't really produce at all a combined 300 300- – 300, 400 yards almost, uh, only three touchdowns last year with Minnesota. Played in 17 games, didn't start any, had eight catches for 104 yards when receiving touchdown. I mean, he just doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, he hasn't done a whole lot most of his career. Yeah, his first year he played 11 games. He missed uh, five games there. But last two, he was available for all 17 games and just didn't produce on the field. And like you mentioned, KJ Osborne, obviously Jay Jettas, Hawkinson being there, I just don't, and also Jordan Addison. I just don't think there's really going to be much opportunity for him to uh, to perform. So mine's going to be Harrison Phillips, defensive tackle for the Vikings this season. I mean, defensive tackle and defensive line has always been a strength, in my opinion, for the Vikings. I've never really liked Harrison Phillips, so I don't think he's necessarily as much as he's worth, per se. I think he is a guy that is definitely – Solid, but he's not top tier, which is what I feel like the Vikings really needed. And looking at that defensive line, I mean, besides Daniel Hunter, you got Harrison Phillips, Kyrus Tonga, and Dean Lowry. The ends are fine, but the defensive tackles do scare me. There's going to be a lot of running in this division from Chicago, from Green Bay, and even possibly Detroit. So the connection right now with a lot of these guys at the defensive tackle position is something that does scare me. I mean, last season for Harrison Smith, nothing that jumped off on the page. Played in 17 games, only had 28 solo tackles and one and a half sacks. I think going into this season, he's going to have to have a heavier focus and a heavier emphasis on being a run defensive defensive tackle, and that's just something that scares me. So I'm not really excited to watch Harrison Phillips play this season. Okay, a breakout player. So a breakout player, I'm going to go with Alexander Madison. I mean, now with Dalvin Cook not being there, they've finally given him the reins. Uh, there isn't many other rainbacks on this uh, team that are, I think is going to compete with Madison. Obviously, they're not going to use Madison full-time right away just because he hasn't been built up to do that because he hasn't done that in his career. He's always had Dalvin Cook there. Yeah, Dalvin Cook's had some injuries, so he's made starts here, but 
Cook hasn't missed a lot of time. Last year was his worst year production-wise, uh, at least running the ball, has the least amount of attempts to this point in his career with 74, only 283 yards. But he did have five touchdowns that time. The receiving game got a little bit better uh, with having 15 receptions, 91 yards. It actually went down. Sorry, I read that wrong. We'll get the wrong year. Last couple of years, I mean, last year had or two years ago, had 32 receptions, 228 yards receiving touchdown. But he's given you right around 400 yards. Uh, a lot the previous three years before last year. And I think now that he's going to have the reins, I mean, he's going to be the number one running back. Uh, still only 25 years old. I mean, it seems like he's been in the league forever now. He's going to be 20. I basically drafted when he was 20 years old. Uh, I just think Madison's going to be used a decent amount, especially because he can be used as a receiving threat out the backfield. Yeah, so I, I really like, I feel like I reluctantly put Madison here as my breakout player because I don't really trust Madison this season, especially as his first real season of being the number one running back. He's basically played through, behind Dalvin Cook's shadows his entire career. And Minnesota was one of the rare teams that really still featured a one running back system. The one time that Alexander Madison did really get in the game was the second drive. It was, always seemed like the second drive was when Alexander Madison got in the game. And I felt like every time he was the one that got the touchdown, not Dalvin Cook. So, Going into the season, you know, he's got to be a guy that's got to be just. He's got to be a guy that's got to be the main factor and the main weapon there on the offensive side. And going into the season does concern me that he is that. I don't think he's necessarily going to be bad, but you look at some of the the roster, the running backs that they have, they have Ty Chandler, who they're really high on, Dwayne McBride, who they're also extremely high on, and then Kene Wongwu, too. So for me, I feel like the Vikings are going to translate more to a kind of running back by committee system. It sucks to say because I love seeing the Vikings with the run, one running back system. But in my opinion, Madison serves as a really good backup in his first season potentially as you know a potential uh, running back of itself. It does concern me. It really does. But he is going to break out this season. If you want the definition term of breakout, Madison is your guy. But I'm still avoiding him in some drafts. And that's coming from a Vikings fan as well. So be curious to see as time goes on where he does lie. But I do believe that, you know, it is a bit concerning, especially to start the season. Your sleeper player. So my sleeper player, I'm going to go with Marcus Davenport. Davenport was originally a Saint, draft 14th overall back in 2018. And he's been injured a lot of his career. I mean, played 13 games, but didn't start any his rookie year. Next year, played 13, started all 13. Then played 11, only started one. 11, started nine. 15, started nine. And back in 2021, he had a good year. He had nine sacks, which was a career high. Uh, created three forced fumbles, which tied a career high. Had 39 tackles, which was a career high. Nine tackles for loss. 16 QB hits. I mean, overall, had a solid year that year. But it's just been injury concerns with him for the most part. He's super talented. And we've seen it like guys with Trey Hendricks. I mean, wasn't super productive. The Saints had a really good last year, last two years. And then went over to the Bengals, got his money, and now is one of the better DNs uh, in the league. I mean, just seems like that's how it's been going as of recently. A lot of these younger DNs are DNs who are going into their uh, pre-30-year-old contract, uh, making it to another team and making an impact there. 
So I'm going to go with Jordan Hicks as my sleeper player. I'm liking Jordan Hicks a lot this season, obviously coming over from Arizona in 2022 for his first season last year with the Vikings. Had 129 total tackles, 86 solo tackles, and had an interception as well as three sacks in the year. So overall, not your guy that's going to be a, bang, bang, a big bang for your buck guy, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be consistent. I think that's what the linebacking core desperately needs, especially losing Eric Kendricks. Eric Kendricks has been there, it feels like, since I've been alive. Same with Harris, or not Harrison Phillips, Harrison Smith. And so that's one of the reasons why I think Jordan Hicks has a potential for opportunity to be f- phenomenal, really, this season. I think Jordan Hicks is, you know, although he's 31 years old, you look at the Vikings linebacking core, you got Brian Osama, Daniel Hunter, technically listed as a linebacker. He is like a linebacker defensive end. Marcus Davenport, as you mentioned, and then Jordan Hicks. It's a perfect op- opportunity for Jordan Hicks to continue to filter in the system. And I think he does fit Brian Florence's system, especially on the defensive side as a whole. And I think that's going to be something that's going to prove to be really a big factor for the Minnesota Vikings and just that sleeper position and the linebacker position there and Jordan Hicks. So I'm really excited to see him and kind of see the rest of the defense there again under Brian Florence's uh, coordination. Your team MVP. I mean, team MVP, I think it's an easy one. It's Justin Jefferson. I mean, yeah, he's going to have the year he had last year. Probably not going to take a step back, but he's still going to get you probably at least 1,400 yards is my guessing, pressuring those double-digit touchdowns if he doesn't do it or surpass that, give you over 100 receptions. Uh, yeah, you have Addison's going to be there, KJ Osborne and now uh, Hawkinson, but I don't think that's going to take away from him. I mean, he's a wide receiver being taken sometime, in some drafts, I think, first overall. I mean, you don't really see that. It's usually a running back who gets that position. It's very rare you get a uh, wide receiver there, and Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the league right now. I'm going with Thuggins as my team MVP. I really am. I, I think – you know, yeah, Justin Jefferson sure is the best overall player on that Vikings team. He single-handedly won a couple of games. But also, let's not forget who's throwing the ball to him. It's Kirk Cousins. Ever since that famous, F Kirk, throw me the ball. And there's nobody in the stands. Um, he's actually really established a big connection there with Justin Jefferson. Yeah, the catch was phenomenal from Jeff- Jefferson against the Bills. He single-handedly won the game. But in my opinion, if Kirk Cousins didn't throw it exactly where he needed to throw it, that game doesn't win. So you got to benefit both Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. I'm not saying that taking away Justin Jefferson, as far as all the catches he's made and the insane plays that he's made. No, I'm just saying it all comes from the quarterback as well. What he did was phenomenal. What he continues to do is phenomenal. But Kirk Cousins last season, 4,547 yards. That's only going to go up, in my opinion. You got Jordan Addison, who has potential to be like a Ron St. Brown. I think another good comparison to Ron St. Brown, potentially Jordan Addison, if not even better. You got him. You got Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, TJ Hawkinson, Madison, all these running backs out of the backfield. I would not be surprised if he gets close to 5,000 yards this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to 40 touchdowns this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if he lowers the interceptions and is finishing as a top three quarterback in all fantasy. I'm getting Kirk Cousins because I think that you can win with Kirk Cousins. I really do. If you want a consistent fantasy quarterback, everyone knows you got to go with Captain Kirk. I mean, Captain Kirk is as consistent as you get. I have friends tell me all the time that he's extremely consistent, and it's true. He is. And I think that's one of the reasons why if you go with a late-round quarterback strategy with a Kirk Cousins or a Geno Smith or one of these guys that's consistency, it's got to be that. And I really do believe that Kirk Cousins' ceiling this year is is really through the roof. This is going to be not only his best season, in my opinion, but his make-or-break season because the Vikings are non-committal on whether or not they want to bring Kirk Cousins back. I'd love Kirk Cousins to be a quarterback continuing moving forward, but I also understand he's not a cheap quarterback, and for some reason he's so expensive for what he's worth. And let's not forget, too, he started to use his legs a little bit more. Sure, is it a lot? 
No, but I do believe he's going to continue to use his legs a little bit, especially under O'Connell's leadership. That was the re- main reason why they brought O'Connell in was to not fix Kirk Cousins, but to begin uh, help him become more of a um, a good quarterback. And after one year in the system, going into his second season, I'm really excited for Kirk Cousins. We all saw him scramble there. Maybe you guys did in that 17 yard touchdown run. I'm not saying he's going to run for a thousand yards. Give me a break. I'm saying he's going to make a little bit more noise with his legs. He's going to be a consistent quarterback and finish as a top three fantasy quarterback. Call me crazy. Really do. But I think he's going to get to 5,000 yards, if not close to it. I think he's going to get 40 touchdowns and the interceptions are going to be down. So it's a perfect recipe for success for Kirk Falcons. Your two key draft pick and offseason moves. So the first one, I'm going to go with Addison. I mean, giving you another young player, uh, talented player, wide receiver for that room. I mean, as there's Osborne there. I mean, Hawkinson, he's there as a receiving threat. I mean, you also have Nikhil Harry. I mean, I don't know how much impact he's going to have, but for a first-round pick wide receiver there as well. I mean, just giving uh, Cousins another option, especially a downfield option uh, that uh, Asset has been able to provide. Last year was a down year as last year at USC, but it still had 875 yards, uh, eight touchdowns the year before that. Had 1,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, almost 1,600 yards there. Uh, also had a rushing touchdown that year. I mean, we've seen what he's able to do. Uh, or sorry, that was at Pitt. Uh, that wasn't at USC. That has been before he transferred over. And then next up, I'm going to go with Jay Ward, quarterback uh, safety out of LSU. Last year had two and a half sacks, but 59 ta- uh, combined tackles, had only one pick. But year before that had two and then three. A uh, couple pass deflections and four had uh, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Uh, granted, is he going to be the best, most playmate or best playmaker that they got out of the draft? No, but I think he was a solid pick. I think round four, fourth round pick, especially like I talked about before. There isn't this isn't the big biggest cornerback room. It's probably where he's going to play more because I don't think he's going to play over guys like Kyle Harrison, obviously that that you mentioned before. He's one of your key players. But I think Jay Ward's probably going to play the other safety position. If not, they may move him down into the uh, slot corner or or have him as a hybrid. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to go with two picks. Obviously, Jordan Addison's huge. I've talked a little bit about him. But more than Jordan Addison, you know, just the presence that he's going to felt. He's extremely fast, both on the field and off the field, especially when driving cars. And obviously, minus the cars part, in all seriousness, the ability to be fast downfield is huge. And, I mean, paired alongside Justin Jefferson, it's going to be a filthy combination. I'm going to go with the other guy they drafted out of the UFC, too, in Makai Beckman, cornerback. Now, the Vikings and quarterbacks, you've mentioned it a lot, and it's very true. We have, like, the worst luck with cornerbacks ever. Yeah, we invested in a guy like Xavier Rhodes. He honestly sucked, in my opinion. I was happy that the roads were closed there in Minnesota, and he ventured to a different direction. But I feel like every cornerback, we always draft a cornerback in the first round, and it always never pans out. So going with a different strategy here, you know, they've just never found success drafting defensive backs. It's a high-risk, high-reward player. Sure, he might maybe not make a tremendous impact from the get-go, but you look at a lot of guys there that they have on this team. I mean, there's guys in the secondary. The safety position is pretty locked up. You mentioned potentially a guy like Jay Ward getting some action. I'm really liking Harrison Smith and Lewis Sign and Cam Bryan. I'm really taking those that safety role. Lewis Sign. I believe, I don't remember what pick around he was in, but he was a highly touted guy that they had drafted out of their last season's draft. I believe it was, yeah, first-round selection out of Georgia. Ended up with a broken leg in London against the Saints. 
um, and end of his season there. So excited for him. The secondary does have a lot of opportunity for Mekhi Beckton to step up and have success. But I guess the biggest thing with the cornerbacks, as far as the Vikings are concerned, is basically playing Russian roulette and trying to find a guy that's six. But they got to find a guy soon because it's coming to the point where, you know, they got guys like the hitman on the defensive side that are getting older. Daniel Hunter's eventually going to get older. So there's guys on there that, you know, if you want to make a run, you got to have better defense. Their defense weren't last in the league last year, I believe it was, or close to it. Now, granted, we had an ancient Roman history major guy in, uh, I don't even remember his name, but he was terrible. Brian Flores can change course there, and Mikai Beckman, I think, will fit under Brian Florence's leadership very well. Okay, your two key uh, offseason moves. Yeah, so my first one, I'm going to have Byron Murphy. I uh, talked about him earlier. I mean, he was one of my three key players. I think he's going to have probably one of his best uh, years of his career. I mean, he doesn't really get the accolades because he was playing in AZ, and AZ really wasn't playing for much, especially how that division goes, uh, having the Niners there, the Seahawks for a while, how competitive they were, how the Ram, how competitive the Rams were for a while. And I, he's definitely going to take over there. Uh, the like we keep on men- I kept on mentioning and you just did also it's going to be safeties or not, as not as much safety more cornerback play I mean the roads were wide open when the Saints played them that playoff game you guys just got lucky with the miracle <laughs> and the second one uh I'm going to go with my sleeper player I'm going to go with Marcus Davenport another former Saint it seems like you guys like signing our Saints players as well um but yeah I'm going to go with those two guys I think they're both uh, they're both super young still. I mean, Davenport's still really young. Even though he was drafted back in 2018, he's still an early first-round pick for us. And then uh, Murphy's still pretty young in his career. Yeah, so the first guy that I'm going to talk about is going to be Byron Murphy. I mean, I'm excited to see Byron Murphy this season. He's entered his fifth season out of previously from Arizona. Had a good career there in Arizona. Maybe slacked off a little bit. Last year only played in nine games, but he's still a very reliable option. Let's not forget, too, the Vikings had gotten – Patrick Peterson from the Cardinals, and he actually had two really great seasons there in Minnesota. So, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, the Vikings love to sign Saints and, I guess, Cardinals, especially on the defensive side. Um, you know, even the offensive side, too, but especially on the defensive side there. And I wouldn't say Brian Murphy's the next reincarnation of Pat Pete because that's unfair to Pat Pete. But I do believe it might be a similar situation, a lot of opportunity for Brian Murphy to have success. I mean, now we kind of started to realize, okay, well, we're not drafting quarterbacks successfully. Why don't we just freaking sign the guys and try to get, you know, some success there? And so I think that is part of the thought process, and that's, you know, having a guy that is established, maybe sure, missing or probably only nine games that season, a lot of people are down him, but a lot of people are down the Pat Pete signing. Look how that ended up working out for us. So I thought that was a huge signing there. And then Dean Lowry. I mean, it helps with uh, Daniil Hunter. I said this originally with Daniil Hunter potentially dipping. If you guys did not know, he was kind of had a contract extension um, issue. But Dean Lowry is another reliable option there at the defensive end position. I mean, Dean Lowry is not a guy that's in a household name. I think I know of him a lot just because of the fact that uh, Dean Lowry did play on the Packers for the majority of his career. But let me remind you of a guy that also did. That was Darius Smith, who we recently had. I believe it was last year. And he had a good, successful season as well. So I think, you know, a similar situation is going to happen here. I'd love to see success there. I mean, obviously, Neil Hunter, as long as he's healthy, will be the big guy on the defensive line, the big guy at the defensive end position. But I do believe that as time goes on, Dean Lowry is going to be the guy that, you know, is called upon um, and is a guy that, a lot of people are, you know, hoping has a good, um, successful season and is able to kind of perform it the way that, you know, he wants to perform it and he really should perform there for the Minnesota Vikings. Okay, your three keys to success. 
So my three key success, my first one is Kirk, can Kirk Cousins win a playoff game? I mean, it seems like <laughs> that's the worst like worst situation you can put Kirk Cousins in, is in is put him into a playoff game. I mean, once he makes a push in the playoffs, uh, at least some of a deep run, I'll call him Kurt Thuggins, but it's hold Kurt up, Cousins until he does that. Hold on, hold on. Can we just stop that. for a sec? You know Kurt Cousins has won one playoff game. You know who it was against? In oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I know who it was. When Kyle Rudolph I, illegally caught that touchdown? Yeah, that was Kirk yeah. Thuggins, baby. Yeah, no, I, I understand that, but one playoff game in his entire career? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll pass on that. I think Jameis has a playoff win. So I think Taysom Hill technically has a playoff win as a starting quarterback in a playoff game. Uh, next up, I have can Madison replace Dalvin Cook? I mean, probably not, but I mean, that's what they're going to need him to do uh, running back-wise. I know you said there's a running back there that they're pretty high on. Uh, it's like a, rook, a rookie running back you guys have. But even then, uh, I'm not a big fan of Dalvin Cook and I really like Masson. I think it's time finally it's time to be able to show like what he's able to do. He's lifted in Cook's shadow for so long. And then can the new faces make an early impact? New faces in the sense of the cornerbacks, the rookies there. I mean, especially on the defense side, I think Hunter probably will have a dip in his career. You guys have lost a lot of linebackers recently. I do like Hicks uh there, but like outside of that, just having the young guys I and mean, we've seen what the offense can do. We've seen uh, even without Addison, but like guys like I mentioned before, like Jay Ward, Byron Murphy, just the new faces there make an impact. So my first key to success is Kirk v. Kirk, and exactly as haters like you say with Kirk Thuggins, Kirk Thuggins is like the most hated quarterback for no reason. Sure, the stereotype was that he couldn't win a playoff game. He did, especially in a Vikings uniform. The stereotype One. was he couldn't win a Monday night playoff game or a Monday night game in general. He did. He's done that multiple times for the matter. They said he couldn't win a primetime game. He did on Thanksgiving at home against the Patriots. And he's also won a couple other points. Well, not to mention. But at the end of the day, the whole purpose and the fact is he's done this all in a Vikings uniform. He feels comfortable in Minnesota. He wants to be in Minnesota. And honestly, I want him. I would much rather have – actually, I shouldn't say much rather have because I like both. I'd much no, – again, not much rather have. I'd rather have Kirk Cousins easily over Derek Carr, first off. There's a lot of quarterbacks that I'd rather have – or not – I'd rather Kirk Cousins be – over that quarterback, so-and-so. So Kirk's just got to be Kirk. Continue to do Kirk things. Nobody's going to ever agree with you. Nobody's going to ever think you're good enough. But you know what, Kirk? As a diehard Vikings fan, you are good enough, and you deserve every ounce and every dollar that you have gotten from the Minnesota Vikings. Second, Addison and Hawkinson really need to step up. I mean, they, they, they're they good players, don't get me wrong, but they really need to step up this year, especially potentially J.J. kind of not necessarily slowing down, but not having as successful of a season. Jordan Addison might be a guy that gets close to 1,000 yards in his first season. TJ Hawkinson, I don't necessarily see as a big yard reception guy, but I see as a big touchdown guy. I mean, especially in the red zone or whatever. Uh, TJ Hawkinson made a living, which I felt like last year at the Vikings, as those third and 11 plays over the middle of the field, the tight contested catches that he had to do at Iowa, just like Sam LaPorta, Noah Fan, George Kittle. Um, so a similar situation there. So I think that's going to be one of the things to just step up and kind of filter the offense more accordingly. And finally, it should be probably the number one takeaway, but the defense has to be better, particularly under Flores compared to what they were last year at Ed Donatel. It was a disaster. It was a disgrace watching them rush three down linemen every play and just not being able to have success. So the biggest thing with the Vikings this season, besides the offense continuing to perform at a high eclipse, is the defense needs to step up and just be better. And if the defense is able to step up and be better, then the Vikings will be better as a whole. So that is, I guess, my three takeaways with that. There's a lot of things that can go right, and there's a lot of things that can go wrong. I'm hoping, 
hoping that a lot of things go right here for the Vikings this season. What is your divisional prediction? So I haven't finishing first, as you mentioned. Last, Do you so now? This is a really weak. It's a really weak division. I mean, you said it yourself. I know. I've I mean, you got the, you got your daddies over there, the Packers. Uh, Not daddies. Losing anymore. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you got the Bears. I mean, the Bears aren't bad, but they're rebuilding. I like the Lions. I mean, um, I think the Lions could definitely push for this division to the Vikings. I just think the Vikings. Uh, have a little bit more complete uh, offense compared to the uh, Lions right now. I think the defense, obviously, I think the Lions could potentially overtake that. But I think the offense is just too good. And I will end with my part of this. uh, (laughs) Well, you can both agree on this. We both have love for Teddy Two Gloves. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's an obvious one right there. I mean, that's, that's a former Saints boy and a former Viking boy. We both got love for him. And honestly, as a Vikings fan, watch him go down with the injury that he did. Bridgewater was like the last pick in the first round or something like that. The guy I was really excited to have and really wanted to get so badly was Money Manziel. And look how that career ended up. But what if what if Teddy Bridgewater didn't go down with the injury? I think this entire Vikings and even Saints team would be in a completely different position. So yeah, we gotta have love for Teddy B. I mean, love his double glove quarterback system that he likes to run and and yeah, so I guess you can both agree on that. Wearing number fifty now, also. And I, I've actually never told you this, and I don't really have a high love for telling you this, but if there is a second favorite team, there is. It's the New Orleans Saints. I've always loved the Saints. So, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to see the Vikings beat the Saints in the situations that they have, but I do like the Saints. They're my second favorite team. They always have been. So, I guess, you know, we are a little more similar than we do think we are. But as far as my prediction is concerned, yeah, I've been finishing first, but only by a game, really. I've been finishing with a 12-5 and five record. It's not that I don't think the Vikings are going to be good, but the Vikings just have a tougher schedule. they got to play the Chiefs, the Chargers, or they got to play the entire AFC West division, which can be concerning because you got the Raiders in there as well, who probably aren't great, and the Broncos, you never know. But Chiefs and Cardinals consistent. they got to play at Philadelphia on Monday Night Football in Week 2. We all saw how that went last season. And they're probably going to lose one, of the, one or two games where they get absolutely crashed. That's just how the Vikings play. So I do believe they're going to win the division. I think they'll go 12-5, and 13-4, and, and probably become a first-round exit like they did last year, the Giants. But this is a team that people should start taking seriously a little bit. And I think they are. I think they're starting to realize it. But at the bottom line, the defense has to be better. Otherwise, they're not going to be getting whatsoever. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information and value. Tomorrow, we will be covering the Green Bay Packers. So I hope you guys are going to join us for that an exciting show. Psych, I hate the Packers with a passion. So that should be really painful to watch. And then we'll end things off in this division with the Chicago Bears. So hopefully you guys did enjoy it. If you guys missed the other 21 episodes, highly recommend you go check those out. As always, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.